today, I would say government is overmatched if our expectation is that every societal problem has a government solution. This is really the single greatest time in the last 150 years, truly, to change the way government operates. And we have the tools, and we can dramatically increase our capacity and our responsiveness. All we have to do is get out of our own way. Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. I'm Krista Crum, Esri Analyst Relations Lead, and I'll be your host for today. You just heard Stephen Goldsmith, author of A New City OS, The Power of Distributed Governance, highlight the power of technology to engage constituents and help take on urgent social problems such as homelessness. Today, government leaders who understand the power of data and data science are innovating economically and driving faster, stronger decision-making. Here, Esri CMO Mariana Cantor investigate how cities leverage advanced analytics, location technology, and digital tools to build trust and sustainably grow communities. Stephen, good morning, and thank you for being here with us today. It's good to be here. Thanks so much. We would like to understand the compelling case you make for transformation in government. Well, you know, I run this program at Harvard for uh, one program for mayors, another program for chiefs of staff of the 40th largest cities in the U.S., and they would answer that question, inequity, job opportunities for many folks, the social problems that come from homelessness and opiates and the like. So there are a set of questions just fundamentally about how government should work, but the really wicked problems are the social problems that have few obvious single answers. Can we talk a little bit about homelessness? We live here in the LA region, and I come from New York City, and I, it's a really, really severe problem for the entire community. How would some of these tools that you discuss be applied to solve these problems? It's been an intractable problem for a long, long time. Uh, let me answer your question cautiously, because if I had the answer to homelessness, I would be out there fighting it daily. So let me start with kind of a broad answer and then a narrow answer. What the digital tools allow us to do is see individual acts as part of a broader system. And no single agency has an answer to these really difficult systemic problems. So homelessness, we have a issue with identifying it. We have an issue with triaging those who are homeless, right? Because, you know, are you homeless because you can't afford rent? Are you homeless because you're a victim of domestic violence? Are you homeless because fill in the blank, right? And, and so we, we have to disentangle these issues, and then we have to figure out which treatments help which sort of person. And so what the data allows us to do is to integrate those issues more broadly and understand what levers government has that will make a difference. And so the same would be true of child welfare or K-12 education in urban schools. They are parts of a system that also include peers and family. And now we have the tools to see more broadly. And I've used an example of Linda Gibbs as deputy mayor of human services. I was deputy mayor of operations. When she was head of the homelessness department in New York City, asked them what their definition of success was. And they said to get shelter beds for those who are homeless. And she said, no, no, no. That's the definition of failure. The definition of success is preventing homelessness. Well, once that's your definition of success, you have to see that in a system where you can preempt the problem, how you can do sustainable housing. So I think we're at the verge of being able to make breakthroughs, but it's a very intractable problem. Are the new initiatives that cities face, the social problems you mentioned, the affordable housing, homelessness, et cetera, inherently cross-functional and we just haven't been able to solve them because we didn't have the right tools and now we do? 
So, so let's break the uh, city's uh, challenges up in different uh, baskets. So one is operational excellence. You know, how do we change the light bulbs faster or pave the roads better? And there is a set of technologies available for each of those that is relatively straightforward and, and can be done, right? So the, no longer should we have to change street lights. The street lights through the IoT network should say, I'm getting tired, you better come change me before I burn out, right? So we have, or parking meters or the like, right? So, uh, or uh, bridges with sensors in them where you map all of your bridges and all of your water and all your wastewater and many of your streets and the sensors tell you when something needs to be repaired and when by the number of vibrations or whatever, right? Those are, uh, there's a lot of room for that sort of take up and, um, uh, but the other issue is, if we're looking at these difficult problems, why more, why not a higher percentage of kids graduate from high school? Why the workforce programs generally don't work as well as they should? Uh, why is there endemic poverty? Why can't somebody get to work? Why is the transportation system not serving their needs? Uh, why can't we come up with more effective programs for child abuse? Those things uh, are cross-agency. And they're not going to be solved in a single agency. And the ability to use data mining and data analytics to look at data across multiple organizations. Think child welfare for a second. There's information in the, in the probably the juvenile delinquency system on, on, on a kid, right? There's information in the social work, child protective service. There's, there's information in the school social work has some, the health care worker, the guardian has information, right? So how do you bring all that together in a very secure and sensitive way, deliver it to a caseworker with decision support tools and the right set of algorithms that will help her make a decision? We could never have done that five years ago, and now we can. So what are some of the technologies that these cities need to bring their data together to create these dashboards and analytical environments? Everything in a city almost is spatial. And so to me, a fundamental platform, right, is GIS, is spatial, is mapping. In fact, in the book, we talk about that as virtual scaffolding, the, the, the platform built on layered maps is virtual scaffolding, which allows teams to work together. All of us have been in city government know, you know, the mayor, deputy mayor invites somebody in from each agency and they, they come up with a, uh, they're, they're assigned to, as a team to work in a particular neighborhood. Well, that's okay, but you can't have a team of every day of everybody, right? So you have to have ad hoc teams and that requires that you be able to understand what's happening in other agencies where you're working. So, so uh, uh, that's one fundamental platform. Then you have other things, the, the sophistication of data mining tools, uh, the ability to use bots, the ability to kind of replicate algorithms from other places, the, the ability to deliver very sophisticated information to the handheld device of the field worker. All of those things are in place, AI, AR, but, uh, but fundamentally I think that the spatial one is the, is the beginning platform. There is another word that you use as pertains to decision-making by smart cities, and that's context. Are we living in the age of context? It's a little <coughs> bit abstract, so could you explain that for us? What's the but, value? Right. So data is not really helpful until it's contextualized, right? It, when uh, L.A. was able to see that uh, service delivery and service quality varied by poverty levels in a particular neighborhood, that context allowed them to make adjustments. 
uh, when New Orleans looked at uh, some issues with respect to racial inequities in the delivery of emergency management services, that, that uh, context, which was racial in that situation, allowed them to make changes. So data becomes important in a context. It may be a place uh, or it may be some other uh, denominator, right? But, but that context or multiple contexts for the same data allows action and insight. I wanted to ask you about all of this sort of new technology and new thinking assumes uh, that the public sentiment is such that people want to engage in public discourse, that there is a pent-up desire to be part of our policy and so on. Would you say that's so? I don't know that it's so, frankly. Most people don't really want to have a relationship with their government. I don't mean the federal government, I'm not talking about that, just city or state, right? They want to live a quality life, they expect the services to be there, and they're looking for a relationship with their son or the daughter of their neighborhood, not their government, right? But they want to trust their government to do what's in their best interest. Then there's a number of folks, right, who actually want to influence those decisions, and they want to participate. And then there's this third group that has transactional experience with their government, and their view is, look, if I got my voter registration, driver's license, pothole filled in a timely and responsive way, that gives me kind of trust that the government's on my side and I'm going to give them a little more trust to do big complicated things even if I may not be involved. And so I think the answer is very different for a number of people and I don't see a situation where 80% of the public wants to be kind of participate in these conversations. I think we'll see a situation where 80% of the public wants to have app-based Amazon-like experiences when they need to with their government and the other 20% wants to be more fully participatory in the decisions. And, I, and I'm saying that the way to these digital tools can help create trust is to be responsive to all of those categories. How difficult is it to move from seeing and knowing to action? Are the um, sort of the infrastructure set up to actually respond to these insights? Yeah. Not necessarily. I mean, one of the reasons that we talked earlier about needing a data analytics effort or a chief innovation officer is that I mean, think about this situation, right? So now you've got the information. Where's the answer? Why was it? Do you go to the public health department, or is it maybe it's the street department, or, or because you don't really, you still don't really know the cause until you look at all sorts of layered data analytically as it relates to that area. So somebody's got to drive that. There has to be a data warehouse. There has to be data mining. Somebody, ha I mean, just we haven't really talked much about it, but. Fund your question raises the, the most fundamental issue I probably should have mentioned before is it's not the developing the answers that's the problem, it's developing the questions that's the problem, right? Until we get the right, it, it, we have more ability to answer questions than we have good questions asking for the answers. And so this is, a, is an example of that, okay, we've got the information, we understand the outliers, now how do we set up a system to use the analytics to try to come up with some sort of causal explanation? Why aren't these new powerful data mining tools more widespread? Why isn't there greater adoption? Well, the obstacles are quite formidable. Right? Every day, the sanitation department has to go out and pick up the trash. That's their primary job. And um, fancy data tools don't feel to them like there's, there's time for them, right? Um, and so we have the daily manufacturing of government, which gets in the way of kind of big change. The second is that there is an upfront cost often, right, how you use better routing software, how do you use sensors to figure out where the 
you know, trash bins are actually not really full, right? The bin, that sensor can tell you that, look, I'm not full yet. Don't come pick me up, right? How do you change all that, which means you have route changes and personnel changes, even if they're more efficient. So you have money issues and, and operational and cultural issues. And then thirdly, I think that as cool as the new technologies are, you know, city leadership is, oh, on average, a little bit older than the average millennial, perhaps, right? And so there, people are just not so comfortable with the tools. And then I, I think that the vendors also are uh, need to be probably a little bit better in um, solving the problem of government as contrasted trying to sell a product, right? So what what does what set of problems does your product help solve, and then how what's that return on investment? So there's a lot of obstacles, but there's a lot of opportunity as well. Now that you're making a really compelling case for technology, how would a leader assess a valuable investment versus a shiny object? Right, I don't think there's an easy answer to this question. When I was a deputy mayor of New York five or six years ago, um, every day somebody came to me with an idea. You know, a vast majority of them seemed pretty cool at the time. Maybe the technology hadn't been too well tested. Maybe the, the business plan didn't make sense, or maybe the procurement system even if they were both good and wouldn't let me get to it. And so I think what the city needs to do is try to ask, all right, is this a tested technology? Where else has it been used? How broad is its application, right? How, how much can we trust the vendor because it has a broad set of relationships? Two, how disruptive is the application of this technology? And is, is that disruption worth it? Because some disruption is worth it and some's not. Third, kind of, uh, who does this help, right? So a very small project, right? A very shiny, really cool object that helps a very small number of people who are already pretty data literate may not be the best way to invest your talent. So I think it's a mix of the amount of money, the amount of time, and the, de- and the degree of change and how many people are helped, and then you just need to kind of work one through it. Do you think that the government is somehow overmatched by the nature and pace of change going out in the world today? Government is looked on increasingly across the world and in the U.S. as the solution to a problem, right? It, it, remarkably, even as trust goes down in government, the expectation that government's going to solve a problem goes up. And we particularly see this at the federal level. And so this obviously is, is something is wrong with this kind of message. And um, as the as the pace of social change increases, government's pace in solving those is going to have to go up because its systems are designed on a lower pace and an area of less complexity. So you take kind of the buzzword of the day, you know, agile development, right? Fast to fail. I mean, I don't like to use those phrases because they're kind of overused, but, but they have a point, right? The government has to act more quickly. And so Today, I would say government is overmatched if our expectation is that every societal problem has a government solution. It's not overmatched if we say government has great capacity to improve its current throughput and value if it uses the current technologies. This is really the, the single most, single greatest time in the last 150 years, truly, to change the way government operates. And we have the tools, and we can dramatically increase our capacity and our responsiveness. All we have to do is get out of our own way. So putting in the context of this new operating system with 
distributed decision-making, greater agility and responsiveness, acting, as you put it, uh, in right in time. Would you say that the role of government is going to be more critical to people's lives? Well, I think the role of government is going to be increasingly critical, particularly as they feel more vulnerable, whether it's vulnerable for safety purposes, security, privacy, uh, other similar issues. Uh, the, the issue, though, that is, I think, important to tie together here is that if we think about government as a distributed platform and not a hierarchy of really, of really smart people trying to make decisions of what's everybody's business, if the definition of government is governance, How do we govern across an area, a city or a state or even a federal area? How does that governance system allow us to, to weave together the, the assets of, the, of an individual family or a nonprofit organization or a for-profit organization? Then the new tools allow us to extend governance in a pretty dramatic way. So those expectations of people about their government can be more clearly met through these new processes if we think about it as distributed systems, if we listen better, if we weave together those resources better, then we can produce much more and much higher quality government. Would, would you say that the very definition of governance is changing? Right, so you can't, so your questions are great, right? You, there's no way that government, meaning city hall or the state house, can do all of the things that are expected to, to be done by its residents, particularly with the resources that are available. If you say the issue isn't government, it's governance. We expect our mayor and our governor to organize resources broadly, to call people to service, right, to bring the for-profit and non-profit folks together, to create platforms that allow for distributed learning and understanding, to create personalized services. If we think about ways to say, okay, how can we use 911, 311 call systems to identify where neighborhoods might want to come together to clean up their local park with some city effort, right? We can, all of the ways we think about government can change. They can change spatially and they can change in real time. They can change in bricks and mortar, but we need to use the digital platforms to understand better, to gain insights more effectively. So this is really fascinating. Uh, essentially what you're saying is that the impact and scale of governance is going to expand to include citizens in a real way. Right. You can't produce enough widgets inside City Hall to solve these problems without a much more distributed platform where you listen to people better, right? There, there is no a number of police officers that are going to make a community safe if you're not also listening and involving the residents in that community. And they're developing respect for government and they're participating. And it, it takes those tools to create a really high quality government. Is there an urgency to this? There's urgency because even though the local and state trust numbers have not diminished as much as the federal government, they're going down and our needs are going up. And democracy itself depends on confidence that our democratic leaders can deliver the services we need. That, and that definition, that is responsiveness. So there is an urgency because there's a lack of trust. If you were a mayor again, where would you start? What would be your first step? Yeah, well, I wouldn't mind being a mayor again. I'm probably a little old for that, but I wouldn't mind being a mayor again. <laughs> I, I think it would be to challenge the existing organizations and agencies to say, What big disruptive change, what question would you ask today that would most change the way you deliver services? Two, how do you define public value in your agency? And, and are the activities you do every day, do they actually produce that public value? Three, how do you listen? How do you really listen? How do you use social networks? How do you mine social media? How, how do you use that information to inform the solution of day-to-day -day services and big services? So I change the way we learn 
I would, I would tr- do everything I could to disrupt the vertical agency thinking, and I would ask big questions that change the way we deliver services. As always, it was fascinating talking to you, Stephen. Thank you for being here. Okay, thanks for your questions. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast, and thanks to Stephen Goldsmith for giving examples of how technologies such as location intelligence promote operational efficiency and constituent engagement. To learn more, download our free eBooks, Making Sense of Digital Transformation, at esri.com forward slash where, and Making the Most of the Internet of Things at esri.com forward slash IoT. 